0: new year everybody we are back and uh hopefully you're all well and not omicron <laughs> uh <laughs> it's, i've turned it into a verb i'm gonna make every single article of speech uh, out of omicron before all done. Uh, but um you know tim it's been a brutal week oh, wow man um, look they've been falling hard and fast
1: but i gotta tell you it's, it's been the old guard uh, yeah. that, that's uh, that's going down uh, and so so in that in that way um, it's kind of okay um, uh, so what do we start with Peter with Betty
0: uh, well we we Betty was the last day of the year you know just barely two weeks shy of her 100th birthday as far as I'm concerned she made it to I'm just gonna say she she fulfilled most of that hundredth year yeah she she lived 99 years <coughs> excuse me. And almost all of a hundredth year. So, for my money, that counts as. Yeah, I was gonna
1: say when people say she almost made it, I'm like, how are you people counting?
0: <laughs> we
1: start yeah. at zero and go forward. The yeah. first year yeah. is zero to one. Yeah. Now she's 100 freaking yeah. years old, and I think what, what uh, there was a documentary in the works. Yeah. That I think they've renamed. You know, it, it, it was called something like Betty uh, 100 Years or whatever. They renamed it. Or whatever the hell they renamed it, but it was still
0: 99.9 <laughs>
1: or something. Whatever, <laughs> but there it is, Betty White, who you know, um, over my over my thirty thirty years, you know, working red carpets and, and this that and the other thing. Here yeah, I ran into a lot where, where I got my Betty White. I was just were a video podcast oh, there, she is. You know, on which she she wrote kisses Betty uh, for me oh, man. Uh, 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 there, and um, uh, it's just just fantastic. But you know, my favorite Betty White. Sue Ann Nivens. Sue Nivens on the Mary Talamore Moore yeah. show. You, I don't know. Like maybe you and I talked about this. I can't, but, but, but Sue Ann and and John Amos, who's still with us, thank goodness, Yeah. Uh, who played uh, the
0: weatherman. Uh, he's, he's the last. He's, he, is he is truly the last. last. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't the, the, the core that we always kind of see in the. Oh, yeah. You know, with, uh, Gavin and Mary
1: and Ted. <coughs> he's lost Ted a long time there. ago.
0: And, of course, uh, Ed Astor, uh, not too long ago, actually. What? For all last year, all, all like in the last yeah. two years. I mean, nearly that entire cast, apart from, I mean, Gavin McLeod and and and, and Rhoda, all yeah. of them. They 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 like in the last, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Ted like some some years ago, but yeah, right there. Yeah. but John Amos was on that show quite quite a bit. You loved him on that show. Uh, you, know, you know, playing that weatherman, and he did. And, and and John and Betty or Sue Ann uh, on that show. Uh, just look up some scenes <laughs> that did involve. They, they had a thing. They had a thing. And it was really, 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 really cool. So, you know, there you go.
0: And, and you know, she, I, I had forgotten, but she produced her own show in 1954. We always talk about, oh, Lucille Ball was the first woman to, you know, produce her own show on television. But you know what, Betty yeah. White was the second. Yeah, yeah, Elizabeth. Uh, uh, Life with Elizabeth, I think was, was, uh, it? Uh, it was <laughs> it. on
1: the on the air at the same time. Uh, being the Ricardos is out there uh, bumbling around right now, but on the air at the same time as uh, as, yeah. as when they were recording over there, uh, Betty White. So you know, she was she 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 came on television as television became became a thing. The First time, the very 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 first time she was broadcast over the air was in 1939. No 1939, experimental sort of it was Betty White. So there you go, Betty. Uh, And then, uh, what what do we got? Peter Bogdanovich. 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 You
0: and I used to run into Peter Bogdanovich all the time when we were part of of a different press organization. Uh, yes. and and uh, and and Bogdanovich was interviewed. We weren't part of it, but Ray interviewed Bogdanovich for our documentary Schlock in New York, and uh, he's a. I'm thrilled that he's he's just a wonderful part of it. Uh, Roger Corman's now the only surviving interviewee for our documentary. Oh, wow. Makes me feel yeah, good. but but Bogdanovich, you know, was <clears throat> and what I didn't realize, you told me this. You know, I was looking at that photo. Uh, that that famous photo of you know obese Orson Welles when he was practically homeless and he was rooming with Bogdanovich and they're shopping for groceries in that cart filled with junk food, and Bogdanovich is you know just a young man, and Orson Welles is like a fat old dude wearing an ascot, and I thought. That's where he got the act. <laughs> yeah. He borrowed it from Orson, and then you told me <laughs> you heard it first. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, absolutely. He told, he told me himself. I, 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 I had a bunch of opportunities to chit chat with Peter. Uh, you know, cross velvet ropes and red carpets, or sit down interviews with this. That cats meow. What was that? 2000 2001 yeah. something yeah. like that. Was not his way. I think he had a doc. He gave a documentary, a doc about I want to say Buster Keaton, maybe uh well, a there, couple of months ago not i mean boy he a, a few years ago um and, you know, look here's the thing about him he did just about everything one can do uh in in, in the field of cinema he was an actor he first the first definitely. began as an actor he uh, wrote about cinema, not unlike um, you know the guys, the guys out of the New Wave, uh, and, and then uh, started making movies and producing movies, and then started writing histories uh, about about cinema figures and, and, and you know John Ford and and, and so many people, and, um, and and while making you know the that that, that early seventies run, late sixties early seventies run from Last Picture Show.
0: Uh, it's it, amazing. And, and look, he had a movie just a few years ago. I mean, it, it, it she's funny. Oh, she's way, funny that way. Right? Yeah. 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 Right. Which, which made no money. And, and, and I don't think it got a, a proper release, but I thought it was a wonderful film. I, 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 I mean, I was one of the few that just thought what a great little movie. It's just a, a perfect, you know, throwback Peter Bogdanovich movie that would have had Barbara Streisand in it if it had been made for years ago. What's the but, um, But, you know, um, what a, what a great, what, I mean, I didn't, you know, he didn't have enough of a career, but what a great career he did have. And he, he was a film critic originally. We forget that. Esquire, you know, he started as a film critic. So he, he led the way for all the rest of us. Very, very, very sad. But what a what a scholar and a gentleman. Funny. And then, I mean, Sydney, dude. I mean, you spent the whole day yesterday just just talking about Sydney. I mean, yeah,
1: uh, Sydney um, who who I was. I'm so lucky that I that I was able to you know again encounter him uh, late in his career, which is still <laughs> 30 years ago, 1992, uh, when he made the movie Sneakers. You know, him, Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd uh Phil Alden Robinson film, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, yes, Phil Alden. Uh, a neat movie, and and I did the junket and then the red carpets and all that business way back then, and so that was my moment, uh, actually encountering and talking to and having a moment with Sidney Poitier. Uh, um, and we, we I joke uh, with, with the guys that I actually have that interview, those interviews on tape, Beta SP. <laughs> Somewhere, yeah.
0: somewhere. Um, <laughs> what you know? What are you gonna and, do? And you and you know, uh, Poitier was. He, he is. I mean, I'm trying to think if there are many of that stature, those those movie star giants left among us. And I mean, there's Hackman. There's Harry Belafonte's Street, still walking around. Harry Harry Belafonte, Jack Nicholson. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I'm trying to. I'm you know, Pacino. I mean, right there. there there's a handful that we can kind of assign that that stature to but i'm 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 still not even sure because poitier was like a you you know you've often said that he wasn't just an actor he was sort of carrying the hopes and dreams of a whole community on his shoulders for almost 20 years (laughs) Uh, and 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 how do you you know i've often wondered how do you even do how do you emerge out of that burden to still pull off the performance, knowing that you're doing both of these. You've got to be the character, but you've also got to be the icon. That's how do you do that? And I, and I,
1: well, you know, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you what he told me. Uh, And and he said it many times in media, if you, if you look up, but but way back then um, he he came to understand exactly what he was going to represent very early in his career. He played that doctor in no way out. Opposite uh, Richard Whitmark, right. uh, they were very good friends. By the way, friends for, for well, you know, that from then until Richard Whitmark died, they were very good friends. Made yeah. a bunch of movies together, the long, the long, the long shifts, and the, you know, all this. Stuff.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, um,
1: and, and, and 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 he and Richard Whitmark talked uh, talked talk about this, and, and Richard Whitmark told him, uh, he says, "You're the best actor I've ever ever worked with." This is Richard Whitmark talking to Sydney Poitier. You know, and put, put, he had been around for a little while then. Uh, and and, 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 and said, you know, I knew he was right. Uh, and, 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 and that I was going to have to be that person. He made a very specific uh, decision about what that would represent, what, what that meant. And that guided everything he decided to do from that point forward. So it was really kind of a straight line for him. Um, um, yeah. um, once the decision was made, and, and he luckily was able to make it very early in his career, and then he just walked the path.
0: That's so interesting because you know it, it's interesting because I, I, we obviously all have our favorite uh, uh, roles. Of, I mean, what's your what is it, when you think of Sydney? What do you? Well, I mean, it's,
1: it's, it's funny because I know a lot of people in the heat of the night, you know, the university—they call me yeah. Mister and all, that, kind of get all yeah. that That's fantastic. Love all that, but I go straight to the Buck and the preacher. Uh, which was the first film he directed, because uh, I think it was Joe Sargent. Yeah, Joseph Sargent, uh, who was the director, issues, problems, he pulled out. Sidney Portier got the film. So this sort of unexpected, handed his directorial debut.
0: Interesting. And
1: uh, uh, it, 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 it takes this film, which, which broke even. It was not a big, gigantic box office success, but over the years, it became a, a touchstone. Uh, for 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 black audiences anyway, this this is this is what Buck and the Preacher is about. Uh, Sidney Poitier, uh, Harry Belafonte. Sidney Poitier is a uh, is set right after the Civil War. Sidney Poitier is a black ex-soldier, and he's leading a wagon train of black ex-slaves out it's a west. Great movie. It's he great. runs into Harry Belafonte, this nutty guy, and all this kind of stuff, and they eventually team up. And this film is about these two black men their people out west to establish a community and lives for themselves, uh, and, 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 and and how they're willing to do whatever it takes to get them there. How they ally ally themselves with the Native Americans as they go. How they ally themselves with good white folks as they go. There are these because at the same time that that was happening, all these Swedes were immigrating to the United States through know, all this kind right. of stuff, and they ally. It's just and it's just this really deeply complicated film. Um, that hits all of these beats, and this is like 1972, 73. Plus, it's funny as hell. Uh, he, he, Sidney Portier pulled that off in his very, very first film. Uh, and
0: very, and, and it's you know, we, it's it, his directing career is one that doesn't often get enough. No. to be honest, yeah. really, particularly those
1: early films. Look, some of the funniest films ever made were, were, were made by Sidney Poitier. Uh, first of all, let's let, let's do it again. Uptown Saturday Night. Let's Do It Again. Oh, my God. Still funny, by the way. Still hysterical. Let's Do It Again. Uh, 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 one for the money. And then when he started working with Richard Pryor, one of the funniest Richard Pryor films on Earth, Richard and, and Gene Wilder, that is stir-crazy. Yeah. That's a City 48 film. You know, and, and it's, it's just, you know, really, goes goes a long way, man.
0: Well, you know, when I think of it, I go to um, The Blackboard Jungle. Oh, man. What a wonderful movie. You know, because the, somebody, I was talking to somebody just a couple of days ago, I was talking about um, The Awful Truth as the movie where Cary Grant discovered Cary Grant. <laughs> like, right, like it's in The Awful Truth where Cary Grant says, oh, this is who I'm going to be. And, and, and you, you see it happening in that movie with Irene Dunn. You see Cary Grant figuring out his persona. Because who Cary Grant was in movies, it's not who Cary Grant was in his <coughs> private life, but he had to figure out who he was going to be for millions of people. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in, in, in Blackboard Jungle, I got that same thing out of Sam. Mm. You know, as, as this young kid who's supposed to be kind of a delinquent, but he's not going to play the delinquent, right? He's 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 giving him a certain... Dignity that would that was not on the. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Glenn Ford's
1: film. He's playing. Glenn Ford is yeah. the teacher, and, 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 and you know, you yeah, get Sidney Poitier and all these kids in this room. You know, as, as, and then, then what's interesting about that? X number of years later, what, what does he play? Just there with love. Now oh, that's He's right. the teacher with all of these British kids. Uh, just, and, and I'm just I, you can watch those two films back to back
0: and see how they inform each other. That's so interesting. That is so interesting. Ah. That's absolutely true. I'd never made that oh, yes. before, but I, I, it's just it. When you watch a blackboard jungle, which, you know, at the time, Poitier is not a star. He is not a known actor. He's, he, he's, he's a little bit like James Dean was some years earlier. You know, you're getting your parts and people are starting to notice you and you're here and there. But, um, you know, that's a glint. That's a
1: glint. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and here's this kid. He, here's this young black kid with this voice and this look who just takes a part that was written one way and, and gives it a whole different persona and, and knowing in hindsight, what he would become. When you watch that part, you see him doing that same thing that Cary Grant does in the awful truth. You see him saying, I know who I'm going. to." And even though this role isn't written in that, I don't care. I'm going to make this role belong to me. Rather than the other way around, that's a movie. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's a movie star move. And he, and I mean, how old is he in that movie? Twenty one. He's, pro-
1: he's probably twenty one. He's, he's playing. He's playing. You know, he's playing sixteen, seventeen. But he's probably twenty one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you know, in and straight off he had done one other thing. But straight off Broadway really is where he had been. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, um, uh, and yeah,
1: it's just uh, it's just it's just an amazing thing. And, and look, you know, I mean, look, we, we can go on talking about the dead guys all day, but uh, you, there, there's this, this moment in the in the late in the late 60s, 67, when he has those three films, Lily's uh, 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 in the heat of the night, uh, uh, it, it, do three major films. 67. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and guess who's coming? Guess guess it's it's coming to, the coming to And that year is particularly interesting to me as 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 he's in the heat of the night, he's in in the heat of the night.
0: Which I love, and I can't stand Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. I, I, like, I like
1: Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. It's a funny thing. Stanley Kramer.
0: Cat, Catherine. Well, first of all, Stanley Kramer wears everything. I, but the other <sighs> part is that that Catherine Hepburn's niece is a terrible... Oh, she can't act at all. And she's, she can't act at all. And that whole movie, all I can think of is, Sydney, why are you with me? <laughs> It's not worth it. It's just not, she's not worth it. It's not worth the trouble. Le- I will not, I will not defend her,
1: but, but I have always offended that film. That film, that film had issues at the time vis a the black community when, you know, the, uh, again, a section, a sector of the black community. You know, Nineteen sixty-seven. You got this other up-and-coming Black panthery types You know, yeah. Uh, and they're having issues yeah. with that film and, and carrying that film
0: because it's one of those. It's one of those credits to your yeah, credit
1: to your lesson. But <laughs> Now, yeah. my mother, in her generation, not to mention my mother's mother, my grandmother's generation, yeah. they didn't have any issue with that film or carry in uh, carry or or city in that film at all. Uh, there was a generational divide about that, and and it's funny that that, that, that divide continues. You know, as I, you know, in 1967 I was six, so obviously I didn't see that movie then. I saw it years later, and and I saw a different thing, I think, perhaps, than either one of those two groups of people. For one thing, what I saw was a young black man, Sidney Poitier's character in that movie, saying to both the white folks in the film, Spencer and Catherine and to his own parents in that film, father played by Glenn Morgan. You know, yeah. I'm not going to do anything either one of you people or I don't think I'm going yeah, to do whatever the hell I want to do because uh, uh, you know, and that's what's going on in that film. Uh, and um but you know, they, but you know, various different generations thought it took. It. But literally, that same year, he's in in the heat of the night opposite Rob De and there's a scene in that film, and you know the scene about <laughs> to, to to describe everybody seen it. We talked about it earlier. Uh, but, but you know, when when that when that old when that old white judge down south slaps him, and Sidney Poitier immediately, Virgil Tibbs immediately slaps him. That was a slatter across certainly black America.
0: And- oh, it, 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 and you know, I, I, I told you this in an email because I, I just watched the film, you know, about a year and a half, two years ago. <laughs> <clears throat> and, it, and, and it still holds up because what's going on in their eyes and in their faces fills in mm. the blanks. Even if that context it does not exist today, their, their acting brings you into the context. You're absolutely it, it right. Lives forever in that, You're absolutely right. and it's it is it's just a perfect film. man. For people who don't know that was not in the script. Uh, he, he was supposed
1: to get slapped and, and, and walk away. Uh, and, uh, and 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 it was Norman Jewison, right? Norman?
0: No, and, and yes, it was Norman. In fact, Norman Jewison told me about that whole story too. I I you know I interviewed Norman Jewison, did an evening with him some years ago. And um, uh, I have, a, a, you know, his signed book upstairs too. which Man. is just lovely. But he even said that was Sydney's idea. Yes. And and Sydney said he he said, you know what, I I I can't allow this to happen. This is just not what that character no. would do. And and Jewison said, okay, like do do it, do what he would do. You know, Jewison had no problem with it. was like yeah. absolutely, and, and didn't tell him. Didn't, only he and Norman knew. <laughs>
1: and so when you right. when right. when slap. They get slapped. And what I love is that all those actors, the old, the old, the old butler standing behind them over there, yeah. none of those, the judge, plainly, did not know. I love that those professional actors... Just stay in the scene, man. Just no, stay it's, in the scene. I, I mean, just stay in the scene, man. So, I'm like, now, see, those are professional actors right there. You yeah, got to love it. You got
0: yeah. to All right, I guess yeah. I'm over myself. Well, and then, and then you know. Oh, yes. The show, Marilyn Marilyn Bergman just died today as we are recording this. Uh, great lyricist, uh, you know, married for over 60 years to her husband, Alan. Uh, speaking of in the heat of the night, you know, lyrics to that great Quincy Jones song, uh, the, all the songs for Yentel, the Michelle Legrand music, the way we were. I mean, their work with Streisand was, was extensive. I mean, they just, they were, they were an amazing songwriting duo and, and what a love story too. I mean, over 60 years married, writing Working together, you know that just almost never works in the film business. And, uh, uh, you know, lovely lady, and she will be dearly missed. And, and I feel that, uh, you know, as often happens with couples married that long and that age, that Alan is perhaps long for this world as well. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, they walk; they've been walking hand in hand for all this long. Uh, and and you know, speaking of ages, we we did this in email too. We were making mention. I mean, look at, I mean, Steven Spielberg is seventy five. Yeah. Woody Allen is eighty six. Yeah. Ridley Scott and Morgan Freeman are 84. William Friedkin is 86. Even Meryl Streep is 72. Gene Hackman is 91, pushing 92. Uh, I mean, you know, this is a whole generation that is going to age out in the next 10 years. You
1: know, Lou Gossett Jr. I mean, uh, what's amazing is, you know, how many of them, uh, I think Gene Hackman has retired. But you know Clint Eastwood is still out there swinging. Yep, uh, Lou Gossett yep. Jr. Is still yeah. out there swinging. Betty White, right up until she actually dropped dead, still out yep. there swinging. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and so it's kind of amazing that Woody, you know, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> working <Yeah>. when allowed. <laughs> and, and, and and so on and so forth. So that's kind of amazing. And 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 yes, they're they're all way at the back. And Peter Peter Bogdanovich, he was you know more more or less still working. I mean, he wouldn't he wasn't not working, you know. Still, still yeah. busy. Uh, um, uh, old man, old man. Um, uh, 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 not Reiner, but the uh, well, Reiner, uh, but the, oh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, um, uh, and, and Mel, and Brooks. Brooks. And Mel Brooks. You know, li- both literally still working. Um, so, if that's any any marker that, that you can actually literally, oh, um, uh, Mario Van Peebles' daddy about a month ago. Oh,
0: oh Melvin, Melvin, Union. Melvin, right to the last. Yeah, I, 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 I
1: talked to, to something I ran a documentary thing with, with Mario. Like Melvin had a script open when he dropped <laughs> in.
0: he was. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned that because I, I, I was telling you before the show. I was just watching uh, Cotton Club uh, Redux last night, and you know Mario is. Yeah, I forgot he was in that. He was. He, I mean, he I think he was. The other one, yeah. I think they cut him out of the previous cut, but he's he's right there, you know, all gl- glistening checks and <laughs> you know, anyway. Oh. Um, and you know this was this was another little bit of trivia. If anybody wants to take our our cue on this, and you want to write to the academy and tell them that maybe they should get all the people who sang James Bond songs on oh, stage yes. for one last roundup at the Oscars before one of them starts to die, because they are all still alive. Yeah. No one who sang a James Bond song has passed on. The oldest is Shirley Bassey; is eighty four, mm-hmm. uh, and she sang three. So, um, uh, but, the, but, the,
1: but the youngest, I think
0: that list you sent
1: me is like I think the youngest was 71,
0: maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a Rita Coolidge is 72, uh, Lulu is 73, Gladys Knight and Nancy Sinatra are 82, Tina Turner's 80 or, or 81, uh, Tom Jones is 81, Tina Turner's 82, Shirley Bass is 84, Paul McCartney 79, Carly Simon 76, and uh, if you want to go off canon, the uh, Lanny Hall, who sang the theme for Never Say Never Again, is 77. Now, obviously, that doesn't include you know all the recent ones, Madonna and who Yeah, else, yeah, yeah. Know, all know, all row, exactly. But, exactly. but but these are the ones that that are like on the on the edge, and uh, I say get those, you know, Shirley Bassey's as healthy as could can be, and same with you know the rest of them. Nancy Sinatra, I'm not so sure about, but um, you know, get them, get them on stage, man. They're all still I'm around. I'm telling you, look, the get the them, them,
1: and look. If somebody doesn't do something, just with the fact of that. You know, uh, that's just do something. Just the fact that the fans out there, some, some clever person, we just told you something really interesting. Uh, you know, send us a link to the interesting little piece of media that you make out. There.
0: Well, I'm going to, I'm going to roll here and just get some get some of this music stuff off our plate real quick. Uh, we got it's, it, it before music. I'm going to make mention of the world series stuff. The, uh, the, the, the Atlanta Braves, won the World Series last year under a rather messy circumstances. Yeah. I prefer to be the Dodgers. I'm not a huge baseball fan, but whatever. Uh, there's a couple of releases from uh, the wonderful people at Shout and Major League Baseball. We've got the single disc 2021 World Series. <coughs> um, you know, basically the regular main primary disc, which which has Blu-ray and DVD discs in it. Uh, it's got, you know, the official series World Series film, season highlights, and things like that. And then if you want to go a little more hardcore you get the uh the the collector's edition which features the documentary and all the stuff that's on the other disc plus you know uh, uh multiple audio options like you know for tv and home and radio away radio spanish language <laughs> broadcast um it includes all of the uh, World Series games, the 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 six complete World Series games and the uh, the complete NLCS Game Six as well. So that's a much more comp- uh, complete set. So both of these are out, and get whichever one fits your fancy if you're an Atlanta Braves fan. Um, and then we've also got on the music front a whole bunch of great things. We've got Eric Clapton, The Lady in the Balcony, Ooh. Lockdown Sessions, which is a Blu-ray and CD combo set. Um, this is, a, 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 all part of a live performance that, uh, he did in February 2021. These live shows at the Royal Albert Hall in London were canceled because of the pandemic. So what he did was he just brought his band together, uh, separately in the countryside and they did their own recording. Right, they they just figured the Royal Albert Hall performances aren't happening, but we're still going to do this for the world. And anyway, they put this album together, and it's wonderful. And the Blu-ray is great, but you know the music's great to listen to all anytime. It's, they do Layla, oh, yeah. you know, River of Tears, uh, Man of the World, Nobody Knows, uh, When You're Down and Out, uh, Got My Mojo Working. I mean, and, you know you're going to recognize all this stuff. So it's really really wonderful. And want to give a shout out to to the rest of his band: Chris Stanton, Nathan East, and Steve Gadd. Really, really a nice release. Um, got a couple, uh, got a couple of great time life sets here as well. Wasn't able to get these in the gift guide, but we've got Dolly the Ultimate Collection, which is six DVDs. Dolly Parton, the woman is ageless, mm-hmm. is absolutely amazing. Uh, this, this goes, this is you know eleven episodes of her eighties variety show. Her uh, London concert from 2009, a Christmas disc, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. The BBC documentary from 2019, Here I Am. Really, really lovely. Uh, if you can't get enough of Dolly Parton, you're, you're just going to love it. And then we also have The Best of Cher, which oh, is a five-disc yeah. set. Pretty much the same kind of stuff. Ten episodes of her show, yeah. which includes, you know, tons of great... Sometimes people oh. forget about that
1: Share show. <laughs> we think <laughs> about the Sonny and Cher show. The Cher, but Cher had a oh, show. She had her own yeah. show.
0: Oh, yeah. In fact, I kind of like her show better than the one she did with Sonny. And and, and it's funny. I like Sonny and Cher independent of each other more than I like them together. That's funny. It's it's a weird, it's a very weird thing. But uh, anyway, no, there's a lot of great stuff here. TV clips, Dick Cavett uh, interview, just really, really wonderful stuff. Interviews with Bob Mackie and George Schlatter, you know, all talking about her costumes and producing her. And then we've also got a um, uh, an interesting little two DVD set here. This is a, a, um, uh, a TV movie thing called Dolly Parton and Porter Wagner and Friends. Um, it's, oh gosh, I don't, you know, I, not my favorite thing. This is from MPI, but as long as we're talking about Dolly, uh, it's it is kind of, I mean, it's, I shouldn't say a TV movie. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's, like a, it, it's it's like just variety stuff, but it's very, it's it's kind of vintage. It's young Dolly, and I don't particularly like this Porter Wagner guy. Do you know who Porter Wagner was? Am, am I a cunt <laughs> for not knowing? I'm, him? I'm from
1: Missouri, Holmes. <laughs> so yeah, I know who Porter Wagner is. Porter Porter, Porter was the guy that wore those suits, very loud, very western, with with the danglies from them and the with the boots and the whole thing, and he had the blonde pomper dude. That's Porter. Okay. And, anyway, and that was not his name, Porter Wagner, for God's sake. Oh, no, I'm sure.
0: Well, anyway, basic, basically, this is like, I guess, TV in 1967, late 60s. He had a TV show. Dolly came on to be part of the TV show, and that's basically what this yeah. is. But it's she has it's, always
1: credited, I mean, to her, to this day, Dolly Parton will credit Porter Wagner for giving her her start. He's, he's, well, yeah, for, yeah, for her that's
0: what this is, but I, I recommend the other Dolly yeah. Step. This, this one has this one has Porter Wagner, and he's he's a little yeah. Weird. He, was, uh, he was he was he was kind of like the Liberace <laughs> of country music. There you go. That's what bugged <laughs> yeah. me. I knew something bugged me. Uh, we also have uh, Genesis, the Last Domino. Um, this is uh, a this is all kind of a behind the scenes thing for the Last Domino tour. And, uh, it involves obviously a lot of dealing with COVID and everything else. And Genesis
1: doesn't fill Collins and those guys.
0: Yes. And, and I'll say the, the one thing that I found. I mean, it's very interesting. And it's, it's nice to see Genesis putting it back together and the show looks great and all of that. Phil Collins obviously not playing drums because he physically is yeah. not able to. He's had a lot of physical challenges in in, in the last it, or- years. It's it's something degenerative. It's something degenerative. But but that's the thing that I found really deeply troubling about this is just seeing what has happened to, to Phil. He's not the Phil yeah. Collins we remember. Yeah. And so it's great that they're they're getting the band back together and doing this tour and prepping it, and it's very impressive. But it, there's a there's a sadness to it yeah. as well. Uh and then uh, just kind of fly through a few more things from uh the people at Naxos. We got a few few great classical music uh tidbits to throw your way. Idilberet Beethoven playing the sonatas, Pathétique, moonlight, Wallstein, appassionata. This is on DVD, not Blu-ray. There's also an ode to joy uh bonus performance, Idil Beret, absolutely uh wonderful. Um then we've got uh, the Taming of the Shrew as a ballet with the ballet of Monte Carlo choreographed by Jean-Christophe Maillot. This is from Opus Arte. Um, I, you know, I I don't know that I really get Taming of the Shrew as a ballet, but I'm sure it works for somebody. Shostakovich wrote the music. Uh, I I kind of prefer it just as a just as a play. I like ballet, but this one's a little bit strange to me. Uh, another blue uh, Blu-ray from uh, Opus Arte, often box a uh, Barbe Bleu. Uh, by the uh, Lyon Opera. I used to live near Lyon. It's a very lovely uh opera they have there. It's a it's a nice big city, second biggest city in France, unless you count Marseille's uh, suburbs. Oof. It's an ongoing debate. But anyway, uh, Offenbach not my favorite opera uh, guy, but uh, this is nicely done. It's kind of a modern uh, interpretation of it. Uh, DVD only, also from Opus Arte, from the Royal Opera House, is Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier with the Royal Opera Chorus and the Orchestra of the Royal Opera House. Uh, Kiri Takanoa, beautiful, beautiful performance, wonderful uh, vocals. <clears throat> and then uh, from, uh, let's uh, hear the original three tenors. Oh, okay. uh, Carreras, Domingo, and Pavarotti, mm-hmm. conducted by Ruben uh, 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 Zubin Mehta, in concert, Rome 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from uh, C Major and DECA. This is absolutely beautiful on Blu-ray. Don't miss it if you want to revisit that amazing evening uh, in 1990 in Rome. This also includes the brand new documentary from Caracalla to the World, which puts everything in perspective. But this is one of the great evenings of all time. If you do not own any classical music on Blu-ray, this is a great place to start. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream is a ballet version and more Shakespeare turned into ballet. This is a ballet, A Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, by John Neumeier in the Hamburg Ballet. A very based on, very loosely, loosely based on Shakespeare. They take yeah. a lot of very kind of uh, avant-garde, postmodern liberties with it, and um, the music is sort of a, an interesting mix. It includes uh, Ligeti, the guy who wrote all that weird stuff that Kubrick used to use in in uh, two thousand one and The Shining. Oof. It's a little bit strange, but it's okay. Uh Placido Domingo at the Arena de Verona doing famous arias by Verdi and Giordano along with uh Sayo Hernandez in the orchestra of the Arena de Verona conducted by Jordi Bernacker. It's lovely. It's just Domingo doing his thing. Um got uh let's see, what else do we have here? Um uh, Jules Massenet, Thais uh, the, with the uh, Orff Radio Symphon Orchestra and Arnold Schoenberg Choir. This is the uh, the Opera House in Vienna. Then we've got Bruckner and Wagner compositions uh, with the uh, Salzburger Festspiele. Let's see, this is all Unitel. Um... More uh, four, uh, four live ballet performances Martin Schlapper, uh, Hans van Manen. This is also the uh, with live music by uh, Franz Liszt. This is a little bit avant garde, kind of uh, more modern dance stuff with, with song. I didn't quite get it, it's not my thing, but you know, somebody will really vibe to it. Um, and lastly, on the Naxos front, uh, we've got DVDs only a Rossini opera. Called Locazione fa il ladro. Didn't really watch much of this. I didn't really get it, but I'm sure somebody will. Renaldo Hahn opera called Cibulette, which is uh, very nicely staged. Uh, seems to be kind of deliberately, kind of funny. This is done with the opera for, uh, in Toulon, the symphonic opera in Tulo, where I did live, mm. and I never had any idea there was an opera house. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't know what that says about me. Uh, Rossini's La Chivico Stravagante. I'm sure I'm murdering all the Italian here, but, you know. Yeah, it's yeah better, better than you than me. Uh, yeah, and Jean-Baptiste Lully's Atis A-T-Y-S. And then lastly, uh, Jean, Jean-Joseph Cassanea de Mondeville, uh, an opera called Titon et Laurent. Never heard of it. Don't really know what to make of it, but um, you know, for the opera fans out there, there you go. That's your, that's your, uh, that's your opera scratch and your your ballet scratch. Boom, boom. boom. Um, Tim, should we talk about the force? Yeah, man. Because
1: for one thing, I noticed two evil eyes. Nice. I'm uh,
0: yeah, um, Dario Argento and George Yeah, yeah
1: 1990
0: 1990 I did the. Um, uh, I, I wrote
1: about about those movies, that movies, that set of movies uh, based on the Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, there, Adrian Barbeau and Harvey Keitel, and you know, yeah, those were those were pretty cool. Kind of kind of Americanized, uh, you know, giallo
0: it, it's very, it's very interesting that George Romero and Dario Argento would come together on something like this. This is from Blue Underground, who's doing so much great, really cool culty stuff. Uh, Full 4K Ultra HD looks, you know, um, so good that you can tell it's fake blood. I don't know what it is about blood in Dario Argento movies. Yeah. But it just it it doesn't look like blood that that I that I no
1: no and, and it never did and was never meant to and uh, and, yeah. uh, and and it's, and it's but but it is it is it is it is purposeful there uh, and, and and plus Adrian Barbeau I was going to say that again yeah there you go
0: that's all yeah. I need to know that's all I need to know well it is uh, yeah you know and 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 Harvey Keitel I mean it's uh, it's certainly an unusual film and Martin Balsam is in this too E.G. Marshall as well John Amos is yeah in yeah. It. So lots of extras here. Uh, most of them on on disc two, but it's all you know interviews and and uh, and a little bit of behind the scenes stuff, but primarily interviews with just about everybody, including Pino Danaja, which is very nice. Uh, <clears throat> before we get to the biggie here, Juice, mm. man,
1: 1992, did the junket it? for that too. My first time man. sitting down across from Tupac Shakur.
0: And, and you know, my wife worked as an accountant on a, on a Tupac Shakur film. Uh, oh, bullet. With, yeah. With, with, with Mick yeah. Park at, at one point, too. A really amazing, really a fascinating guy. You know, one of those just troubled artists who just brings so much, like the art comes from the baggage, but the baggage also hinders the yeah.
1: life. Yeah, well, short, literally short life. It was, it was, I, the life. The day that I talked to Tupac Shakur, uh, he was nineteen, and I was twenty-nine. We were literally—I was literally a, a decade older than him. And and I realized that we were over at the that, that hotel on Hillgard, the fancy hotel on Hillgard at the corner of Hillgard and LeConte in Westwood, not far from UCLA. Uh, and and I was sitting down to talk I had already talked to Ernest Dickerson and Omar Epps and all those other kids that were in Juice. Tupac's first movie, Ernest Dickerson's first movie, uh, and and Tupac had a swagger. And, 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 you know, and I won't, I I won't go into the specific things that he said as he entered the room, but they were things that I knew that as a 29 year old black man, I would never say walking into a room full of white people, (laughs) you know, Tupac not only said them, he said them really loud. (laughs) And and then he sat down uh, and we had this wonderful conversation, in which he quoted passages from uh because he played he played Hamlet at that high school oh, yeah. with Jayden. You know, and he quoted all of that kind of stuff in Macbeth. And not only didn't just quote them, but actually understood what they were about. Uh, and, and, and we talked about all kinds of things. And I thought to myself, this kid, this is a new generation of young black men. Um, uh, he's not from the NAACP, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, Martin Luther King generation. He's from a different generation. And this is the thing that this that's true about that generation. They did not care. What anybody thought about them or expected from them at all, even a little bit. Not black people, not white people, not anybody. They were going to live their lives full, whole, and complete. Interesting that 30 years old, earlier, Sidney Poitier was making the exact same point uh, in it, 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 yeah, in, a, way, in, a, in a different way, you know, and, and, and these kids were just louder and had wilder haircuts. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I don't know, a super interesting thing.
0: So many contradictions in him and uh, they all kind of come out in this performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a hell of a film and uh, I'm glad it's on Blu-ray. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's it's one of those films I wouldn't have expected to show up on Blu-ray, but it's got a lot of great uh, featurette stuff on here. Obviously, music video. Um and uh, and some interviews and you know EPK type stuff really very interesting commentary with Ernest Dickerson by the way oh, yeah. who, who you know <clears throat> migrated from being Spike Lee's cinematographer to directing with this film and and does a great job putting his own stamp on it and you know this is a this is a, a tougher more rugged film than uh, than I think even Spike would oh yeah been, but oh yeah all these people went on that yeah. careers
1: Omar Epps and, and, and Queen Teefus in that movie and uh,
0: so and we then we yeah. got. And then we've got to do, oh, man. which which you can watch on uh, HBO Max, or you can get it on the 4K Ultra HD and and throw it up on Movies Anywhere. And I'll tell you, I watched the, um, uh, I I took a look at the streaming uh, the 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 stream that is available on HBO Max versus the on call stream you can pull up from Movies Anywhere <laughs> versus the on call stream from Apple and the on call stream from Vudu. It's very interesting. I think Apple looks better than all mm. of them. I think Voodoo looks second best, HBO Max next, and then Movies Anywhere last, oddly hey, enough.
1: Well, what's, what's the nature of – are we just talking about resolution? Or,
0: yeah, okay. Compression. Compression. It's just oh. compression. It's All of them are 4K uh obviously the disc looks the best sound is the best in the disc if you want to really come close to experiencing this anywhere close to IMAX and nothing will it will equal the IMAX version of this which is just blows you out of the back of the theater Uh, but you know uh you got to get the disc it's it's still a very impressive film but let's talk about this for a second because you know this is considered uh, one of the Oscar front runners and and whatnot but Tim, how do you feel about Dune? Well, you know, so
1: that Dune, and then uh, uh, David Lynch's Dune, uh, and then I suppose you got that TV Dune uh, with uh, you know whoever, uh, which my wife also. Uh, um, uh, and, uh, and so you know these Dunes we have, right? So you know, my, um, and, and it's funny. So you know, after watching that Dune, I decided to go back and watch David Lynch's Dune, and I, I, I had a better time. Obviously, this is a much more sophisticated Dune, a much more, but I had a yeah. better time. Rewatching David Lynch's Dune that was infinitely more entertaining.
0: <clears throat> and and I have to say, you know, Lynch's Dune is the complete story. This is now the beginning. Yeah, it's going to be the- another one of those. Yeah. This is there's going to be two more. They've greenlit them. I don't know what they were thinking because this thing ends on a cliffhanger. It doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. It's sort of you know, this is literally like a first act of something. So it, it, there's no payoff here. It's all it. Know. It's all set. Damn. So we really got it. I feel guilty almost even reviewing this thing. I mean, does it work? Well, I don't know. I got to see the next two films to see if it works. Well, you know, Avatar, the first Avatar worked, you know, however long ago that was, <laughs> um,
1: yeah. but, it, but, but, you know, I, I mean, I relatively speaking, uh, but yet there are what, two or three or four more to come or whatever. Two more, two to, more come. to come. Two more to come. Uh, but the first yeah, one, the first one is fine. You know, I don't
0: know. I, I I, I'll tell you, I, I kind of look at Peter Jackson, who has not really made anything other than Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films for the better part of the last 20-some mm-hmm. years, and I'm not sure I'd want to do that. Mm-hmm. I, that sounds like a case of burnout to me. Denis, De- Denis Villeneuve will wind up having like done nothing but Dune for almost a solid decade by the time this Yeah,
1: goes. you know, it, 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 it like, uh, and, uh, but, but again, uh, Cameron has been jacking around with those avatars for what now? You know, yeah, uh, uh, and uh, and so for them, I don't know, it'll, it might burn them out. But I got to tell you what, uh, um, I, they've definitely burned me out. <laughs> they, 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 <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm but you, but it's not like this isn't a perfectly, um, uh, you know, uh, it's 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 fine, it's it's it's, it's fine. But I, I just noticed it as I'm, uh, my attention was held much more firmly. By the David Lynch film, when I popped that sucker back in and got to watch him sting, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you know, this is this this I can't turn away from." The other one, I'm like, "Okay."
0: We got some stuff from Cohen Film Collection. Uh, they a lot of great lines. Remember, Cohen owns uh, Landmark Theater yeah. now, so they're they're all in. Got a couple of releases from their Classics of British Cinema line. Uh, the first is is an old Terrence Young film called Corridor of Ooh. Mirrors, which is a new digital restoration looks just freaking gorgeous I mean it really does it almost I mean you put this on the right TV it'll look like a nitrate print absolutely amazing um uh it, you know it's a it's a it's a uh an obs- it's a nice period piece an obsessive artist story uh the very first film that Terence young ever directed so you know you don't he, it's not the same guy who'd go on to do dr no and, and other things it's a very kind of near realistic uh or, or not near it but uh expressionistic mm. sorry. Getting my, but uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a it's a lovely lovely film from 1948, and stars Eric Portman, and uh, you ought to see it. It's fun. They also have a, a double feature from uh, classics of British cinema, which also features Eric Portman in Wanted for Murder, as well as Dirk Bogard in Lewis Gilbert's Cast a Dark Shadow. Mm. Uh, these are British film noirs, which are kind of you know. They're basically like American film noirs, except people bang. <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe the only way I can put it. Uh, and uh, the, but the camera angles are great. Uh, the stories are really cool. The scripts are terrific. The performances are, are just spot on really, really fun stuff. But I especially just like uh, Dirk Bogart and cast a dark shadow. Dirk Bogart has one of those faces. That's just, it, it, it's both innocent and evil at the same oh, yeah. time. And just such a gifted actor. Uh, from the Merchant Ivory Library, we have uh, Pierce Brosnan, The Deceiver. Oh yes, which I think is you know takes place in India, and uh, it's it's one of those uh, you know Jewel in the Crown type uh, British Empire things. But I actually think this is a really really sharp. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, late eighties, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. This this age is much better in my memory than I remember it, and um, I I really uh, like it quite a lot, looking at it in, in hindsight. It was not directed by uh, James no. Ivory. It was a Merchant Ivory. Ismail Merchant produced it. and Nicholas Meyer, that's right, Nicholas Meyer of Star Trek II fame uh, directed it, but it's certainly one of his better films, and Pierce Brosnan, looking dashing. Wonderful and then East lastly, Indian. Uh,
1: yeah, it, it's
0: really good photography. Yeah. And then, uh, last one from the Cohen Collection is a Classics of American Cinema digital restoration of uh, It Happened Tomorrow, with Dick Powell and Linda Darnell, and, uh, you know, I'm a big Dick Powell fan. Tim knows yeah. a, lot of, a lot of reasons for that. I've grown to be very familiar with Dick Powell's oeuvre. <laughs> uh, um, but, uh, but, yeah, no, this was uh, uh, directed by René Claire the famous French director. And uh, it's uh, quite charming. You know, this is uh, – he was not able to go back to France during World War II, so he made some films in the U.S., and this is one of them. And Dick Powell is always tremendously Charming and, and sweet, and Linda Darnell, really underrated uh, actress yeah. again. So uh, it happened tomorrow. Really, really fun. French art house director uh, doing uh, doing wonderful things with uh, an American cast. Uh, Tim, let's let's get into the the uh, the criterions here. Oh. First up, the the immortal red yes. shoes on four K Blu ray four K Blu ray combo set. Um, I mean, the red shoes have never looked. Oh, good. wow. <laughs> Alan <laughs> uh, uh, well, Oh man. man. This movie, this movie, this movie. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so gorgeous. This is, I, I think, is this, is this Martin Scorsese's favorite film?
1: Oh yeah. Well, yeah, I think it, so. It, it, well, yeah. Cause you know, yeah, obviously, um, his his his, his editor,
0: uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, Telma. Uh,
1: married to uh, uh, Michael Powell. <clears throat> right, <clears throat> right. That's right. That's the yeah. connection.
0: I always forget that. Well, no, this is this is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, not really considered a musical, even though it kind of is, but just Technicolor galore. And the four K transfer is from the two thousand and nine restoration. So, it is uh, it is amazing. Audio is uncompressed mono, which is a little bit weird. Mm. So, if you have a, a home theater, you want to—you might want to kind of tweak with your setup to get the audio coming out of all of your your front speakers, the sides, and the and the center, so you get the real full benefit of it because it's it's uh it's a it's really a nice mix as well when the music kicks in. Uh, tons of extras on this thing. I mean, it's you know you can't even get into it, but there's the two thousand making uh making up documentary. Lots and lots and lots of stuff on here. There's an interview with uh, Telma Schoonmacher which I didn't even bother looking at. Um, uh, that's from the uh, the 2009 Cannes Film Festival. Uh, there are audio recordings which is really interesting of Jeremy Irons reading excerpts from the novelization of the Red Shoes and it's kind of weird. Uh, I mean it's fine, but it's like it's very strange, especially if you watch the film first. Um, and then there's an animated film from uh, uh, 1948 called The Red Shoe oh. Um Yeah, which is which is which is pretty cool. Um, so I mean, a lot of really interesting stuff on here for just this legendary film. And then we've got uh, we were talking recently about Gordon oh. with the passing with the passing of of Melvin of Mari of Vin. Melvin. And, and I remember I asking you, you know, being that Melvin is from Parks Jr.'s generation, Gordon Parks preceding him, which is the more significant Renaissance man as far as the civil rights moment is concerned? And you said Melvin, which I thought was really interesting because mm. Gordon predates he does, he does. rather significantly. Um, fascinating life, the learning tree based on his own, uh, his own autobiography. And uh, then he made a movie of it in 1969, which kind of, you know, comes around right about the same time. There is sweet, sweet, and, uh, you know, I, I always found that interesting, but the learning tree gets the Criterion treatment and, uh, there's a great new documentary on Gordon parks out, which I just thought was so fascinating. But this is uh, this is an absolutely beautiful movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think the Learning Tree totally, particularly
1: the cinematography that that, that opening
0: scene with the tornado set out, set in Kansas in the twenties oh, is just as and,
1: and and of course Gordon would would, would be adept in 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 the sort of visual landscape uh, that, that that he captured you know coming from still photography as he did one of the first the first African American. Uh, the, the for Life, Life magazine, magazine, the first uh, African American to direct a studio film. That was this is a studio film, uh, right. um, yep. uh the, right. the Learning Tree. So he the, so a lot of the first there the and it is autobiographical and you know so so the script and, and, and some of that stuff you know, but uh, a very very powerful movie. I just remember as a kid that was one of the films that they actually brought on a 16, 16 millimeter reels and showed. To us, I, I would have been yeah. eight, uh, uh, and, and, you in know, uh, the learning tree. And I loved th- that it was about you know, a I, I, I sort of you know, young young black boy sort of forced to grow up too soon. Uh, but you know, it um, uh, it was it, it just had a lot of meaning for me, and still does. Any, it, anything I, on that it, thing? Is, is that a part of the criteria?
0: Oh, so, so yeah, it's, it's just so much stuff. There's a um, uh, a documentary on the making of the film with Rhea Combs and Diane Archer, Ernest Dickerson and Nelson George. There's a new conversation moderated by Michael Gillespie between, uh, Hank Willis Thomas and, uh, art historian, Deborah Willis, which is all about Gordon Parks's influences culturally and artistically. And it's very interesting. Um, there's also a movie makers featurette on here and there's a documentary, uh, my father, Gordon Parks mm. that, uh, was done on the set of the film by Gordon Parks mm. Jr., who, of course, as many people may not know, died tragically when he was um, very, um, scouting locations for Shaft and Africa, yeah, I think yeah. it was. Directed. Uh, very, very directed, uh, and, yeah, Gordon, wow. Gordon Parks himself would go on to do... Yeah, that's right. Gordon Parks Jr. did Superfly. Gordon Parks did Shaft. Very interesting generational split there. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple of 1968 films that, uh, that Parks was involved with, The World of Peary Thomas and Diary of a Harlem Family... And uh, and then there's a wonderful 1963 life uh, photo album oh, yeah. that uh, that he did, which is uh, it, you know which was excerpted from his 2005 book. So I mean, there's a there's a ton of stuff on here. It's, it's absolutely wonderful, and it's a historic film. It's a beautiful film. It's a poetic film. Uh, and then we've got One Night in Miami. Oh. Uh, gets the criterion treatment right out of the gate, which doesn't happen to a lot of films. And I'm thrilled. uh, This didn't get a whole lot of love from the Oscars, but I thought it deserved a lot more. Regina King's directing debut knocks it out of the park. Absolutely terrific film with a great screenplay by Kemp Powers, who also wrote uh, the Pixar film... uh, What
1: was it? Oh, uh, 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 Soul...
0: Soul, thank you, Soul. Um, But anyway, One Night in Miami is based on his actual play. Uh, did you ever see the play? I, did not, I,
1: I, I did not see the play. I interviewed him and we had a really interesting uh, uh, conversation uh, of course he adapted his own play and he and, and he and he spoke specifically about how he was able to put so much more uh, into into the script for the film which Regina
0: that's what I was wondering that's what because yeah. Regina really uh, makes no, it, yeah. she does what what I thought was amazing was she directs it very classically mm. but she preserves this, the play stuff. The, the character interactions but she's able where in certain places to open yeah. it up like you know you get to the Ali Frazier yeah. fight right you're you're there for that and there's a wonderful little bit of sound work that she does where the with a sound this crossfade with the sound I mean there's some really wonderful technical filmmaking here but yet she understands her bread and butter is, is these four characters and this is actually kind of a, a fictionalized story for those who yeah. don't know about an actual moment when after that famous Muhammad Ali fight right before Cassius Clay becomes Muhammad Ali officially to the cameras where Sam Cooke and Jim Brown and Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali were hanging out together at the same Yeah, motel. yeah a
1: segregated motel,
0: yeah. A segregated motel and this sort of theorizes as to what did those four people talk yeah. about? And I think it's an amazing, you know, I'm sure the real conversations were very different, but man, this is really good. And I think the casting is amazing. This Eli Gorey who plays Mohammed Ali oh, is fantastic. He was fantastic.
1: A bunch, of, a bunch of really great performances, but he is
0: fantastic. Oh, he is so good. I mean, look, I love Leslie Odom Jr. I think Alice Hodge and, and, uh, and Kingsley Benadir are all really, really good. I think that it's just a terrific cast, but Eli Gorey is the one that stands yes. out because because we already have... Not only like 50 years of Muhammad Ali burned into our brains as to what he looked like and talked like and what his body was like, but we have Will Smith's transformation Mm -hmm. into Muhammad Ali also burned into our heads from that Michael Mann Mm -hmm. film. So now we are going to compare this poor kid, not only to the real Muhammad Ali, (laughs) but to Will Smith doing Muhammad Ali. How are you going to measure? Yeah. If I'm this kid, I mean, what is he? 22, 21 years old, something like that. If I'm this kid, I'm like I'm tapping out. Uh, I, I don't want that. Yeah, yeah, but he did. No, he meant he did it. He rises to the occasion. He makes it his own. He is absolutely wonderful. And I, I tip my hat to him. He's absolutely spectacular. Um, a lot, a lot of great stuff on on this as well. You know, the usual criterion uh, assortment of stuff. But the um, the you know, there's a bit with uh, with Regina King and all the actors, which I, I say you you got to sort of. Deal with that. That's just fantastic. And a great conversation between Regina King and Casey Oof. Lemons. Really, really interesting. So uh, I, I recommend that as well.
1: Uh, where do we go from here? Uh, I think we are going into the classic fix. You got the Little Rascals, a three vol- volume set. Oh, yeah. Restored there.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's do some classic flicks stuff. Little Rascals, three volumes. Uh, Restorations, one, two, and three from classic flicks. That is uh, classic flicks with. X at the end. You can go to classicflix.com and and check this stuff out. Yeah, these little rascals restorations. And we're gonna have more coming. Are are pretty great. They look really. They are gorgeous. Good. Aren't they they, look- yeah. The little rascal stuff that's been released previously is all mostly public domain. It's on DVD. It looks like crap. It's been transferred from you know somebody's sixteen millimeter triple dub in the basement that got rained on and flooded somewhere in Nebraska. Uh, so Classic Flicks finally just grabs this stuff, and they they've really really done a great job cleaning this stuff up. I I have to say, watching this again, and I, I grew up on these oh, yes. things. I find them absolutely charming. Uh, you know, you've got uh, uh, 11 separate shorts on on each of these. And uh, I have to say, uh, Spanky was too <laughs> – He might have been a little chubby. <laughs> I, 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 watching this now, there's a part of me – because, you know, we're all about health. Yeah, no. And, and, and I, you don't really see obese kids that age anymore. To at least not where I live, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, "Ooh,
1: <laughs> Like, you." Know, Ooh, child, child, child service. is a problem. What's going on? Yeah, there's a problem. With
0: uh, the there. I, I mean, was was Hal Roach like, <laughs> like was he doing a number with the craft services table? Was he uh, feeding the pork? I mean, man. I, you, look, you, you couldn't get
1: away with Fat Albert. You can't oh. any more either. First of all, you couldn't call that kid Fat Albert. <laughs> that would be so inappropriate. And then there's, of course, the problem that Fat Albert weighs 300 pounds. What the hell are we doing?
0: Oh, man. But I'll tell you, Jack, Jackie Cooper, seeing little Jackie Cooper uh, is, is no, yeah. so, so – he's wonderful as a kid. And, you know, I, my Jackie – I didn't grow up with Jackie Cooper here. I grew up with Jackie Cooper. And, you know, the, you know, yeah, the Superman, Superman. yeah, the, the, yeah. Yeah, right, as the editor of the paper. Daily Planet. Daily yeah. Planet and Superman. Uh so you know, when you see that face imposed on a little kid and you realize what a great actor he was, just so Was Dean
1: Stockwell a rascal? Dean Stockwell was a rascal, wasn't
0: he? What? Yeah. He was, yeah. He was he was uh, Dean Stockwell was a rascal, and so was Robert Blake from the very, very last class. Those have not yet been Ah uh, so, we lost Dean not too long ago. But, okay, interesting. Uh, Robert Blake's story. Yeah, here. so more more will be released, but boy, these are uh these are these are pretty great and uh you know, early, early talkies yeah. and uh, they're they're a whole lot of fun uh, also from classic flicks we have the Abbott Costello show season one mm-hmm. on blu-ray looking great this is from 3D film archive and classic flicks a lot of, uh, working also with the library of congress some really funny stuff here 26 episodes in a three disc set uh, the other seasons soon to come they have been released before but they look better now than ever and then, uh, we got some old movies on Blu-ray and DVD. One on Blu-ray, two on uh, DVD. I wish they were all on Blu-ray, but they can't do it, I guess. Uh, this is all from the Silver series of their movie classics. The, uh, the one on Blu-ray is World War II spy thriller called International Lady, which I had never seen before. Actually, quite fun. Not, you know, amazing from 1941. Uh, kind of a, you know, a, um, a, a a a World War 2 is underway the United States has not yet entered, uh, entered the war so this is kind of a um a spy thriller designed to be a little bit of a of a a propaganda mm. film and uh deals with you know uh, these these saboteurs and uh an FBI agent working with a guy from Scotland Yard to you know played by Basil Rathbone I mean, it's it's fine. Uh, you know, it's 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 fun and a little bit mindless, and and does the, does the job. And then on DVD only, we've got a screwball comedy called Young and Willing mm-hmm. from 1943, and then a uh, romantic western uh, called Silver Queen from 1942. And these are these are a little bit kind of unknown films, but they're worth checking out as well. George Brent, who who's also in uh, uh, International Lady, is is a star of uh, uh, Silver Queen. And, uh, you know, there's some, there's some fun stuff in Young and Willing as well. I'm mainly because it's got a young William Holden, Sue yeah. Hayward, and Eddie Bracken in it. So it's a really, really good cast. Uh, so you might want to check that out and uh, that's that for classic flicks
1: cool 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 film detective uh, a flight to Mars Life at, oh I'm sorry
0: yeah, oh yeah oh, yeah yeah no go ahead well, Ed, well, a flight to Mars is, is the biggie yeah
1: 1951
0: I just always dug that film it was, it was just, I just thought it was a lot of fun uh, uh, so what,
1: what's what's on that that's film detective
0: only a few only yeah only a few special features uh, it's a 4K restoration it's a it's a blu-ray but it's a 4K restoration uh, a couple of Documentaries, one uh, Walter Merish from Bomba to Body Snatchers and Interstellar Travelogues, Cinema's First Space Race. That's very interesting. Walter Meirisch, by mm-hmm. the way, is 100 years yes. old. He made it. He made it to where, you know, we're hoping that. Oh, oh and by the way, we should point out today is the night, as we are recording this, is the 99th birthday of Larry Storch. Larry Storch. Yep. Larry. Storch. <laughs> Corporal Agarn also uh, started with Forrest yes. Decker, his his, uh, his F Troop star on uh, the original Ghostbusters TV show which has nothing it was, to do with yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah that was that was a Sid and Marty Croft thing but yeah he's 99 today no Walter Marish is a hundred so uh, that's all there is on this but yeah uh, you know this was one of Walter Marish's genre pieces and uh it, it's kind of cool uh, the, the effects really do hold up don't they yeah, yeah there's an audio commentary by Justin Humphreys um, then we also have Hercules and the Captive Women. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't make this. no.
1: <laughs> you can't even have that title there.
0: <laughs> you just can't. Uh, this was from that era of Hercules movies, nineteen sixty-one. Uh, you know, it's one of those Italian Hercules movies. Yeah. They were they they were basically doing spaghetti westerns. Yeah, in totally. it's. Uh, there is there's, there's just nothing that works on this thing. It's just it just shouldn't it makes no sense. These are just excuses for Italian bodybuilders to get work and for Italian women to wear as little <laughs> I think that's that's what uh,
1: the I can I just ask why am I watching all these Hercules movies and then I realized oh it's because these women are wearing <laughs> that's why I'm watching these movies. That's what's going on. The the
0: the art the artwork alone just makes me laugh. I mean it makes me so laugh and I have to describe this. There's a tagline could she subdue this giant yes. man with her sorcery? And here's the picture. You have a picture of a man from behind, waist down, wearing like one of those little Roman, <laughs> right? So like just barely below with his- <laughs> manly parts, and he's holding, and he's holding an upside down goblet with the wine dripping out of it, and through his legs. <laughs> You see this woman with her hand, in a bikini, with her hands bound behind her back, and her head conspicuously right, peering <laughs> up at his groin. It is so, it is so risque. I'm looking at this. I'm like, did they actually advertise it with that yes. work? Are you kidding that me? It was on the wall in front of, like of a theater. That's fantastic. Oh my goodness gracious! And then we've also got an old movie from a Film Detective called A Life at Stake with Angela Lansbury and Keith Andes. Mm. Uh, this is, uh, you know, uh, one of those Angela Lansbury movies that nobody's ever heard of. Uh, but it's, it's from 1955. It's perfectly fine. It's a, uh, it's a little indie production that, uh, you know, kind of a mystery thriller, quasi noir thing. Um, it, you know, it it's got a lot of noir, uh, cliches yeah. in it, but it's okay. You know, Angela Lansbury is not exactly a femme fatale, but she does a good job. And uh, there's some great extras on here, including a commentary by a film scholar named Jason Nay or Nye N E Y. And, uh, it's, it's good. It's Ooh. good. Uh, let's talk for a second about these, um, um, Mill Creek uh, VHS oh, yeah. throwback jobs that they always do where make it you know like they make it look like an old VHS. Thing. Kevin Sorbo as Culver, Culver I had for- that's what got him hurt. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That
1: was uh, what did you say? Uh, mid 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 nineties or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, something like that. Tia Carrere, yeah, all those, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm I, kind, kind of. I, i totally forgotten. I thought Hercules was the first no, thing that no, he did, no, but no, it was Cole. No, Cole. Harvey Weinstein. He, he looks exactly like
1: Hercules, but yeah, Cole.
0: Well, that's what did it. He, he was good without a shirt. Uh, casual sex. Oh yeah, Leah Thompson. was. Yeah, you know um, The the thing I remember about this Is that Dice Clay yeah. basically stole the movie By being the, the, the pig that <laughs> yeah, the, the, Constantly in his yeah, became, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But uh, Victoria Jackson right off of SNL With this and, and Leah Thompson uh, I guess, you know I, Ivan Reitman produced this It's kind of funny oh, well, I
1: don't know if it holds up at the time, like, 1980, whatever the
0: heck it was It was a cute little sexy movie
1: uh, it's sort of putting women at the center of a story about, you know, casual sex. These women want to want to have a little fun uh, without uh, all the stuff. Mary Gross,
0: I remember, was in this movie. Really sexy. I, I see Mary Gross all... Well, I used to see Mary Gross all the time before the pandemic. Yeah. You see her all the time at the yeah. pandemic. Another another SNL uh, veteran, uh, sister of uh, Michael Gross from Family Ties, uh, and then the last two here, and I love how they put the stickers. Those stickers that used to always be on the Viet- oh, yeah. rental store. Uh, we've got Splitting Airs and Oh Renegades. renegades. Uh, Jack Jack Shoulders film, I, I, yeah. I, I want to say you probably did. I didn't did this joke for that, for sure. <laughs> Keepers, <laughs> Sutherland,
1: <laughs> Lou Diamond, Jamie Gertz, you know, all of whom uh, were like big, big, big. When this, it's just like 89, 99, so whatever. All these were big, yeah. big movie stars at that time. Yeah, Lou, 89, yeah. 89, yeah, yeah. 89.
0: Yeah, there was. Yeah, that was, that was quite the time. I remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's got, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those Regency uh, productions at the time. Uh, and then Splitting Air is kind of a weird comedy. Eric Idle. Oh, that, uh, yeah. Rick, Rick Moranis, Rick Moranis yeah. Very young Catherine Zeta-Jones and Barbara Hershey with not much to do. And John Cleese, completely miscast. This is a weird yeah. movie. Um, very, very strange movie. Robert Young directed for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, you know, this is one of those movies from the uh, from from like the 80s, 90s period where I look at it and I just think, How did those people and that material all come together? I don't understand. That would never happen today. (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely. It just just, just wouldn't. But anyway, very, very – kind of a weird anomaly, but there it is. Uh, Should we do some – Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Creepshow season two.
1: Season two of Creepshow. That's – how do we feel about Creepshow? Uh, not a big Creepshow fan. Uh, um,
0: none
1: of the none of the sort of recreations of any of the great shows of my youth um, make me happy.
0: Yeah, this is this is an AMC series, uh, uh, part of the 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 Shudder uh, <coughs> Empire of stuff. You know, this has like a like a Creepshow animated holiday special on it. I'm not sure why anybody would watch that uh 11 tales on this blu-ray of season two i i think the original creep show movie was fine i think tales from the crypt as a television series was was fine mm-hmm. as run. i feel like that there's not a lot of i i don't know i feel like it's kind of pushing the envelope a little bit to try to squeeze all these episodes out under the creep show brand um I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't quite work for me. But a lot of people on this thing: Kevin Dillon, yes. Ted Ramey, brother of uh, of uh, Sam Ramey, uh, C. Thomas Howell. Um, who else is on this thing? Uh, uh, Molly Ringwald shows up. these Crosby, Keith David, oh, Keeper Sutherland just talked about Keeper Sutherland. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I guess season two, but there it is. Anyway, uh, you know, it's not my taste, but again, it, it wouldn't have made it to season two if people didn't absolutely love it. Mm. Well,
1: I, I, uh, see that the, I see that Rick and Morty steelbook.
0: From, what is it? Yeah. What is it? It's like
1: season five?
0: Season five. Season five steelbook. Blu-ray and a, uh, a digital code, which will get you a, a, a voodoo. Uh, access, if if nothing else, so you can watch your Rick and Morty. I'm not a huge Rick and Morty fan. I know people who love this. It
1: was game. funny for a while, but the joke
0: gets old. Yeah, we also have the Prodigal Son, the complete second season. Uh, didn't really quite latch on to this either, to be honest. I probably should have given it a little bit more time. Uh, I, I and, and I think I under. I, I think the reason that I didn't quite latch on it is because. The whole uh, Silence of the Lambs was the first time that we ever were exposed to someone to the psychological aspect of profiling. Mm-hmm. Right, that was the first time. And then we had a few movies with profilers. I, I think Denzel played yeah. profiler in one yeah. of them. And then and then we had like seven television series about profilers,
1: yeah. <laughs> it, one, including one called The Profiler. Uh, yeah, and including one called The Profiler. And some of them are mystical, magical <laughs> profilers. Some of them are just you know super Sherlock Holmesy type profilers. And this guy in this series, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's a profiler, but he can see the crime. He's kind of like Dexter because Dexter was the, kill, the killer. Yeah. I guess he was a right. coroner or whatever <laughs> it is. It was the same kind of thing. Uh,
0: uh, so yeah, you know, he can see it from
1: the perspective of the killer,
0: you know? So, so I, I think it's a nice move that they added Catherine Zeta-Jones yeah. season two. She does bring something, more than she does in splitting airs. You know, thank goodness she's getting more to do. But I I don't know, man. It just doesn't, it's still I have a hard time with the concept. Maybe I'll try some more episodes another time. Uh what
1: is on Eli Eli Ross History of Horror uh
0: season two? So so we've got a bunch here from uh from AMC, a lot of shows that they're from AMC. That's one of them. Eli Roth's History of Horror season two. Uh, I think that's kind of you know got the same problem as Creepshow. To mm. be honest, uh, it just you know uh, it, it's it's this is an anthology show of interviews. It's not uh, horror anthologies, but it still kind of belabors the point just a little bit. I think um, it, you know this is this has interviews with Stephen King and Quentin Tarantino and uh, Rob Zombie and and uh, you know slash and uh, you know i it, it seems like it's a little bit um feels a little bit kind of all over the map uh i, I appreciate looking into the craft and and kind of trying to uh, pull the, the curtain back a little bit but i don't know it I don't feel like I learned a whole lot, to be mm. honest. I don't, I don't feel like I learned a whole lot that I didn't already know previously. Um, as long as we're on other AMC shows, got a couple of seasons here of dramatic shows. Mm. Gangs oh, of yeah. London season one and Discovery of Witches season two. Oh, I love, I love, I love uh, Discovery of Witches in particular. You know what? Gang, and, and let me just say, Gangs of London, I think, has promise. I, I've watched a little bit of this. Uh, I'm really kind of starting to get into it. I think there's a lot of it. Cole Meaney is really good. So I think I'm, I'm looking forward to where this goes in the remainder of the show. I have to watch and, and, and obviously another season. But yeah, let's talk about Discovery of Witches for a yeah. second. Um, really a good looking
1: book. I like a Beef in uh, London, and it just is so gorgeous uh, the way they shot it. Yeah, it's, 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 it was just so, uh, a, a dramatic romance, really, but it's just so well done. There are a lot of these uh, running around, well, and some look better than others. On, it's based on
0: some. It's based on some books, I guess, by someone named Deborah Harkness, yeah. whose books I've never no. read. I'm sure no, you no, probably love them. But yeah, I, I think the recreation of London, that that whole uh, uh, Shakespearean era, Elizabethan era London is really very sharp. I mean, they, they it's just beautiful. Ten episodes and they pour all of their, their money into the into the production value. It's really very sharp. Absolutely, yeah. very, 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 very sharp. Uh, yeah. Let's see what other things we got here. We've uh, got some
1: PBS, you got some PBS, PBS stuff there. Yeah. It's,
0: it's
1: Baptiste uh, Grantchester.
0: Yeah, Bat- Baptiste and Grantchester. Baptiste season two on DVD and Grantchester, the complete sixth season, as a part of the Masterpiece series, uh, Masterpiece Mystery. Uh, both of these, uh, Masterpiece Mystery. Uh, you know what? You know what I love about Baptiste? Nah. Uh, it's just a great cast. Nah. Just a great cast: Chicky Cario uh, and Fiona Shaw. Two, I mean, wonderful actors that did, you know, were great in movies in the '90s, and they're not doing TV as often is the case. Yes. But they're just, they're just really great actors. And i I think it's a, I think this is just a wonderful, wonderful showcase for the two of these. Uh, it takes place in uh, in the underworld of Budapest, and uh, Budapest is a great backdrop for for anything. But very, very cool. I like I like Baptiste. Grant Chester's been on for forever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a little... I'm growing a little bit tired of Grantchester. Chester. Um, whenever I watch it, it kind of feels like they're doing the same thing. It's a little bit like Long yeah. Order, but whatever. <clears throat> Let's see. What are there other fun things we hear? Uh, Tim, we got a bunch of stuff from Acorn. Tell me which of these... You respond to, if any, Jack Irish, hinterland, My Life Is Murder, Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries, The Heart Guy, and Whitstable Pearl. Jack Irish? Eh? No, Jack Irish is that Australian series. Uh, yeah, it's the the, the, the guy. guy curious. That. That's actually
1: yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 actually pretty interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like it. It's it, you know, it's out, it's outback noir. Uh, but guy Pierce uh, somehow still looks the same as he did 30 years ago I'm not quite sure what, what he's yeah. doing it's an Aussie, maybe an Aussie thing I don't know but didn't didn't work for Paul Hope <laughs> I, well,
1: Paul Hogan was old as hell when he made that
0: first <laughs> – he was almost 60.
1: <laughs> Paul Hogan was almost 60, 40 years ago. So Paul he might be 100 years old now. Hinterland. Uh, 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 I don't know that series. So
0: this is, Hinterland was a short uh, – a very short series. This is a detective drama. Um, I, I, it, I, I, I like it, but it's, it's a little bit derivative. Uh, it won a, a whole bunch of these awards from BAFTA and some others, and it's um, uh, it, it's one of those it's one of those London British police dramas that gets very very interior and goes to a remote location where that remote location can be the metaphor for all of the dark things that are happening. Mm. Right. So very often it'll be like, well, they've gone to you know the moor or they've gone to some other. You know, very remote location, or sometimes it'll be in Scandinavia, or wherever the case is, and uh, and and here they are, they are in this place called Aberystwyth, Aber Aberystwyth, I guess. Um, Okay. And so, you know, it's a little bit like uh, he's been, you know, he spent all this time on the London police force and now he goes to this remote place and the, on the coast and, you know, uh, he brings all of his psychological baggage with him. And, you know, despite all of this beauty on the coast, there's something dark happening. So you get a little, it's a little uh, Twin Peaksy, mm. I guess, right? There, I mean, there are a number of British shows like this. But, I mean, the, the acting is great. The acting is absolutely terrific. And uh, Richard Harrington, who who stars in this, was previously in dark and Bleak yeah. House. He's really, really good. He's a really, really good actor. So uh, Hinterland, complete collection. Uh, not on Blu-ray. It's only on DVD. But uh, worth checking. I dig to. that
1: Lucy Lawless series, My Life is Murder. She's um, uh, he, he, the yeah, ex-copper, whatever it is. Uh, Lucy Lawless. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's a good one, too. Um, uh, that's Is that part of the Acorn
0: Excuse me. my life. Yes. My life is murder. And, and it's funny cause she doesn't even look like Lucy Lawless. Anymore. Yeah, yeah.
1: Xena warrior princess
0: as it were. Uh, I know. It's kind of, kind of weird for, for an acorn show, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we also, we all, we often forget that Lucy Lawless is not an no, <laughs> right? No, this takes place in New Zealand. And, uh, so she's gone back to, uh, back to the, uh, the, 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 so she's not being Xena anymore. She's just, she's actually being an yes. actress and, uh, So there's an interesting angle here, which is that she's, she's lived, she's someone from New Zealand who's lived uh, for uh, a long, someone from New Zealand who's lived for a long time in Australia, and she goes back to her small town in New Zealand, and now has to uh, start investigating murders, and, uh, you know, she has this woman played by Ebony uh, Vagulens from The Heart Guy, Who's her partner, and you know, uh, it, it's a uh, it's perfectly serviceable as far as a kind of British style mystery series that is now transposed to New Zealand. Um, but I mean, you know what, Lucy Lawless is great. She's very different. Yeah, it's just non yeah. Zena. It's non Zena. Kind of, I think it's kind of fantastic. Did we do the Heart Guy yet?
1: <laughs> the, if the Heart Guy season five. We life. have not. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, uh, that's just on DVD. That's just the, that's just season five of the Heart Guy, and that's been. There's not much more you can really say about that. Uh, Roger Corser is still playing the uh, the heart surgeon on this show, and uh, you know it's uh, it, it's fine. It, it's a you know it's a freaking medical show, and they're pretty much the same the world around. But I, I am waiting for for Roger Corser to show up in something here, some movie or something somewhere. Uh, we also have, uh, more murder mystery and which stable, oh, yeah. which is, which is, which is, uh, also fine. some good acting here as well. And then, uh, Miss Fisher's modern. Oh, I like that it's one. Set, it's,
1: set, it's, set <laughs> yeah. in, it's set in uh, Melbourne in the sixties. It's so, it's
0: yeah, so that's, that's what's the, the fashion. Oh yeah, fun, yeah. Fashion's great. Uh, yeah, that one, that one's really, really fun. This is the, this is eight episodes in series two and uh really nice period recreation there. It's really, really good. Uh, I, I, I'm inclined to believe that Joel Jackson's character on this, the reason they name him James Steed. <laughs> no, on, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You I'm sure it's a it's a nod to the Avengers. You don't do that without without uh, some deliberation. Um you know what, uh I real quickly, are there any other TV things that you want to dive into? Think, yeah, yeah. I think we're cool. pretty good there. Uh let's see. I'll hold up, just, just a couple yeah. of, you know, real real fast here, let me just um pull these out because these are kind of uh, <clears throat> a little bit of a major thing because uh, we're gonna run out of time here momentarily but the there are three from the greatest teleplays of all time mm. series uh, which are really interesting because a lot of this stuff, people don't realize that there used to be a thing called Live no, uh, where they would do these teleplays. Yes. And there's some really really good ones here that have been released in this series. There's a trilogy featuring Paul Newman. Uh, the Army game, the rag Jungle and five in Judgment uh David Susskind produced all of these David Susskind huge yeah. producer we you know get a lot of these David Susskind things but uh Five in Judgment the Rag Jungle the Army Game all of them television you know hour long tv plays uh Five in Judgment's only about a half an hour but uh, all of them featuring uh yeah. Newman and and uh you know really peddling his 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 uh practicing his craft in the mid 1950s and uh, what's interesting is Five and Judgment co-stars a young Jack yeah. Ford looking pretty great. He's not yet, you know, you, you're like, oh, that guy's going to be on Hawaii Five. <laughs> and, and then we also have uh, Harvey, not the movie, but a TV uh, version of it with Art Carney, Fred Gwynn, Elizabeth Montgomery, and Charlotte oh, wow. Ray. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But, uh, directed by my old professor, George Schaefer. Uh, I always, you know, it's funny when George Schaefer was teaching our class, he'd come out like he was hosting. <laughs> <laughs> he'd talk and he'd tell us all these great stories and this and that and the other thing. And then I'd always think, but I've never seen any oh, movies my. that you directed. <laughs> I, like, literally, I've never seen a thing you've directed. And you're talking about all these stars you've worked with. This He worked with them all on TV, doing yeah. work on TV. Uh, but, you know, uh, Art Carney is terrific. Uh, very different interpretation from Jimmy Stewart in the movie. And uh, this was originally a stage play. Yeah. So, very, very, very fun. Um, and then the last one is The Power and the Glory, oh, wow. which is very intense. Uh, Laurence Olivier, Julie Harris, George C. Scott, Patty Duke, Kanan Wynn, and Roddy McDowell. Come yeah. on. Directed by Star Trek veteran Mark Daniels. Oh, wow. Fantastic. It's great. Uh, and this, is, this is, uh, takes place in the 1930s during the uh, a period where there's a lot of tension in Mexico and about a Catholic priest who, who uh, is, goes to Mexico to be a bit of a missionary. And uh, Laurence Olivier is, is really pretty great, you know, under, with all the political and religious tumult going on in Mexico at the time. It's pretty, pretty great. And, uh, and then there's like this, you know, then somebody's coming after him to kill him and it turns into a little bit of a noir and it's kind of weird, but that's okay. Uh, it's well, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty nicely done. Mark Daniels directs the hell. Yeah. So, uh, let's see, what else are we, we going to, what else do you want to cap off with there too? Well, uh, let's well, uh, I'm just
1: under new. Uh, we, we, we have a few things, uh, malignant, uh, uh, and, Oh, and, yeah. and, 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 and and a couple other things just you know just 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 in terms of new stuff Oh, and Zola and Zola. Zola
0: was kind of do you want to talk about Zola for a second because I was in the running for our awards that kept popping up left and right and I hadn't seen I, I, I really
1: liked I a lot for, it. particularly that performance from Taylor Page uh, and, and Ronnie Keel for that matter too and for that matter also Coleman Domingo it's sort of like this, this based on this so loosely told true story this young black. Stripper who meets this young white stripper who thinks she's a young black stripper, and they go on a road trip to Florida uh, together, uh, and it end up in a, in, in, a, in a wacky caper film. It's sort of like loosely based on a true story. And it's just it's just a couple of uh, a great performances and a really dashing uh, sort of bouncy film that's mostly funny. And yeah,
0: it's I I was I mean I hadn't you know I I, I didn't get to it because nobody was raving about it, and then everybody started voting for it on the on voting day, and I'm like, well, why didn't you say <laughs> so? Because yeah, yeah, I would I would have prioritized it, but yeah, I, I love Taylor. Oh, she's fantastic! She's absolutely wonderful, yeah. and uh, and and Riley Keough as well, and and you know these are these are some good, very talented actresses and, and actors, and we'll see a lot of them. Um, yeah, talk about *Malignant* for a second. Uh, that was another one that that uh, was off my radar, and then everybody, like you and Bob Strauss, and a lot of other people started. Well,
1: it was it was actually a pretty good film. Uh, 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 let me let me let me get my data. Here, uh, up on the film, it's, it's 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 a it's a it's a darker and, and more well constructed film, uh, horror film uh, than, than a lot of these films uh, have been before. Um, oh man, uh, you, you lost my it, it, James it, Wan, of it, course, it uh, directly, it, yeah. it's, it's just kind of neat. So you have this this this, this woman who's who's just she, she gets she has these visions of these murders, and they paralyze her. Uh and, and and it's really a very, very dark film. Now when you're watching these films, this film, this film is making references to not only to other horror films, but to horror films in general. Uh and and, and, and it really gets sort of interesting in the way that these things were sort of all laid together and you got a whole bunch of really some good good performances. It's a neat movie.
0: And then there's one that Luke Thompson uh put right at the top of his list and recommended and uh, that I didn't pay attention to. And uh, it's the show, uh, which is the Alan Moore thing, written by Alan Moore. Alan Moore, you know, disowns almost everything that's adapted from anything he's written, but he wrote this straight up, and uh, it's pretty sharp. I I think this is really cool. It's it's kind of a cool, wild, fever dream of a of a comic booky noir, mm-hmm. um, really, you know, very psychedelic and kind of almost uh, 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 LSD inspired in some respects, but. You know, pretty much everything Alan Moore has some element of that. No, movie, but, Alan Moore, uh, Watchman uh, Alan Moore, that guy. Yeah. yeah, Watchman Alan Moore, but but I'll say this: uh, for what it is, I prefer this to the new uh, the new Matrix film immensely because I hate that. Oh, that
1: Resurrection thing over there. <laughs> you you, uh, you know what? I, you, you know what
0: bugged me most about that film?
1: <laughs> what, what that film says is. Uh, the investment that you put into all of the previous ma- Matrix films, but certainly that first yep. ma- Matrix film, I kind of ignored the other two yep. anyway. Uh, but but, but yep. basically, it says the investments you put into that film, the, the, those characters and, and everything, that was completely wasted investment. I because, I, I because here we are 20 however many years later, and you know what? You're still in the Matrix. Well, how about fuck you? yeah uh, uh, you know I can't stand that that just really 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 bugs me and uh and then and and then it sets you up to keep you in the matrix forever
0: yeah it's uh a little bit of a betrayal yeah. that I was not yeah. fond of yeah you know there's a here's a film that uh before we we run out of time I really want to give a give a good shout out to uh south of heaven a a <laughs> And he, you know, one of the problems that I have with Jason Sudeikis is, is that he's he has the Will Ferrell mm. problem coming out of SNL, mm. right? Which is that he has a funny face. <laughs> and 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 you know, for him to play a dramatic character is a, he's got to invest a lot. He's got to dig himself out of your expectations of him, out of your preconceptions, mm. out of the the all the baggage that we have of him doing you know all the stuff that he's done, the the Jersey guy on the you know what up with that sketches and all the junk that he's done and. Damn, if he doesn't do it, yeah. I'll tell you, it's very impressive. He plays a guy, this is really interesting, it's a love story, yeah. basically, Jason Sudeikis and Evangeline Lilly, um, he's a guy that's that that spent time in prison and and you'll find out why, because he's a nice guy, right? I mean, he's a nice guy, like why are you in prison? Why did you kill somebody? What got you into prison? And it's a fascinating dilemma that got him there because he did it out of love and Evangeline Lilly, he's getting out now and she's got cancer yeah. and he wants to do right by her but then He's Shay Wiggum plays this crooked parole officer, Mike Coulter plays this crime lord, and they have all of this stuff going on that drags him right back into the middle of it, and somehow, in order for him to be a really good guy and do right by her, he's got to go dark again. Yeah. He's got to go really dark. Yeah. It's a really interesting psychological journey. He does not fall prey to the funny stuff at all. I mean, he really, really he he cuts a he cuts a line right down the middle. I think this is a really sharp little movie and uh, I, I don't know how well it did theatrically, obviously because of the yeah, pandemic yeah. and everything else, but man, I really I, I, I really urge people to check this out. South of Heaven, uh terrific little kind of micro noir, quasi romantic noir with Jason Sudeikis, Evangeline Lily Shea Wiggum yeah. and Holter. Really good. Nice to see Mike Coulter do something other than well,
1: not just Luke Cage and <laughs> Luke or, 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 or some of just you know heroic guys. I like him when he plays a little
0: you know figures it a little bit dark. Oh, he's 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 plenty yeah. dark here. You know what? He's dark. He's dark with it, but but yet caring because as a whole he's a family yeah. man too. You know, like he's a, he's a crime lord, but he loves his family, he loves his kid. He, he's, he's a
1: family man who wears V-neck sweaters. <laughs> A <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. gangster, gangster who wears V I should say. But yeah,
0: you know, uh, and and just to wrap out real fast here, because uh, I want, I want this is the the last thing I want to put on everybody's radar, because we may talk about this on the next show a little bit more. Um, we're starting to get Shaw Brothers movies. Oh yeah, that thing. And, yeah, man, I'm telling you. The so first of all, we've got a, a great release here of an old Shaw Brothers classic, uh, Disciples of Shaolin. Which uh, is is one that is far too often forgotten. Comes with a ton of extras on this thing. I think it's absolutely wonderful that they've uh, they put this together. It Comes out with uh, both English and uh, Mandarin audio on it. Uh, lots of notes and interviews, and it's it's just really really sharp. This is a a real Shaw Brothers classic. Great choreography, great fight stuff. Uh, a good standalone film. However, and and good for regions A and B, by the way, if you're uh, going to be you know, recommending this to friends in, in other regions. However, this is the one you got. Oh, yeah. The Shaw scope volume one boxed set, which is like my dream come true. I've been waiting for this forever. Uh, the Shaw, the people who own the Shaw brothers library have not done the greatest job of exploiting it. So they're finally, finally through arrow. We are getting these, um, this, this, these amazing Shaw films. Thank you, arrow. My goodness. Really, really great mm-hmm. stuff. Um, the, the, and it's the Celestial Library. The Shaw films belong to the Celestial Library. And this is what you get on eight, uh, discs plus, uh, two additional, um, bonus discs, nine and 10, that have, you know, like music on them. And, you know, that's, they're CDs. The, the, the last two discs are CDs. But the, the, the official, uh, eight discs, um, uh, the, the DVD, the Blu-rays contain, uh, the following films. King Boxer, The Boxer from Shantung, Five Shaolin Masters and Shaolin Temple on one disc, uh, Mighty Pig King Man, Challenger of the Masters and Executioners from Shaolin, Chinatown Kid, uh, The Five Venoms, amazing, with Crippled Avengers on disc seven and then on disc eight, Heroes of the East and Dirty Ho. (laughs) H O <laughs> character named Ho, not Bernie Ho. Don't don't get all you know. Jump ahead of me there, but um, it, these are an. It's an. I, I mean, I can't even go into each individual film. They're amazing. They come with uh, you know some interviews and some commentaries and a lot of great stuff on them. It's a really really great box set. It's amazing. It's volume one. So save your save your uh, your dimes because there are a lot more to come. There are literally thousands of these yeah, movies. So yeah. You might wind up. With hundreds of these box sets, and that's yeah, baby. we are done. All right, uh, Tim, let's uh, let's let's hope everyone you know stays well and whatnot. We'll be back in, uh, in a couple of weeks, and hopefully, nobody else dies. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Hey, look, cheers. Hoping that, well, happy New Year to everyone. It's you know, happy new Year to everyone. And to all of those out there who are near 100 or over, uh, hang in there. <laughs> Hey <laughs> I love it. Well you we got Bill Shatner, we got uh, we got a whole bunch of folks, you know. Yeah, man we got yeah, hang in there. Hang in there,
0: Bill.